people are conditioned to be doers. And I think especially men, we like to fix things, we like to get things done. We like to see progress and see things happen, right? This idea of doing is a lot easier for us than being or being involved in a relationship. It's a lot easier to check boxes off a list and to feel like you're actually getting something done when you do that, you know? You feel like you accomplished something. I know for me, if, if I'm working on a project right now, we're remodeling our kitchen and it's like, I get something done. And it's like, oh man, that feels really good. I did that, right? But when it comes to our relationship with Christ, it's never really been about doing the right things. It's always been about knowing the right person, right? And that the, the works come out of the relationship yeah. rather than the other way around. All right, let's do this. First, I want to welcome our listeners. Uh, if this is your first time listening to us, I just uh, want to welcome you to the show and, and uh, hope that you will become a frequent listener. And of course, if you've listened before, welcome back. Uh, we hope you're enjoying the podcast. And uh, if so, we ask that you would rate us on whatever platform you're listening, like and subscribe, do all that good stuff. And uh, that way you won't miss any future episodes. It also helps us as far as um, being seen. And uh, ultimately, hopefully get the word of God out. So welcome, everyone. Uh, today, we have a very special guest with us. His name is Nate Morris. And uh, Nate is a senior pastor of my church. Uh, I, I say that purposely, my church. Uh, I don't say uh, he's a senior pastor of the church that I attend. Uh, it actually is a phrase that I push back on a lot. I think uh, that whole, uh, this is a church I attend uh, is probably the wrong view of what church is, and uh, really it's my church, and it's just being led by by uh, Nate. And uh, I think if we all took that that mindset that that it's our church and it's 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 our place to invest into people and into advancing the kingdom of God, that that we'd probably have a lot a lot more strong stronger churches uh, in our communities. But anyhow, just then. On a little, on a little high horse, right away, huh, Nate? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Nate has become a great friend of mine over the past two and a half years. Uh, I can't believe it's been two and a half years. I yeah, feel like crazy. we met like yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but but he is. He's a great friend, and and um, I, I trust that he would say the same of me. And and I just want to encourage, especially you men out there that that are attending churches, is to befriend your pastor. You know, if you are a business leader, it doesn't matter what you are. I don't know why I even said that. But if you, if you are somebody that is investing into the kingdom, uh, take time to befriend your pastor. Mm -hmm. They're people as well, and they need people in their lives that they can trust and confide in. It may take time to get to that point, obviously. Um, pastors get, unfortunately, used a lot as, as, a, as um People want to get close to pastors. I guess they think that gets them close to God. I don't. I don't. I don't know what that is, but I think I it's a great opportunity. <laughs> but I think it's a great opportunity for uh, you men. Um, you know, if, if you're in a church, um, seek out your pastor and, and befriend him. I think. I think there's a lot there. I'll probably do a podcast on that. Actually, Lee Domain wrote a book on. It. I think it's pearls. I think it's pearls of the kingdom. I don't know. Uh, I'd have to, I have to look it up, but maybe I'll have him on as a, as a guest. Uh, I know him. So that, that would be great. We'll talk about that another time, but anyhow, so welcome to the ordinary discussions podcast, Nate. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah. Well, it's good to have you. Um, well, how are things in your world, man? Uh, it's, you know, it's good. Just like everybody else. Um, 
navigating masking versus unmasking and the COVID craziness that is in the election year and all that fun stuff. But uh, God's good. You know, it's been, it's been a good season. It's been um, lots of fruit uh, in my life and in the church. And it's, it's a really interesting season for sure. You, you believe in mask? No, I'm joking. <laughs> don't answer that. <laughs> I don't know if I want to put that on record or not. You know? <laughs> yeah, don't don't answer that. Don't answer that. Hey, it's cool. This is the first podcast I've done uh, in the same room as the other person. Oh yeah, it is fun to do that, isn't it? It's I, there's kinda, been one or two that I've done like that, and it's different. It's, it's cool. Yeah, it's just uh, a little le- less logistics, maybe, and yep. worrying like how does that person Bluetoothing in sound and right. And there's just a dynamic, obviously. That, that's lost when you're you know over the phone yeah. on zoom whatever yeah yeah so nate uh is in my house right now in my office uh i didn't play a dirty trick on him but it would have been a dirty trick he asked for my address and i gave him <laughs> <laughs> i gave him the wrong numbers i i don't really know how i did that <laughs> instead of 313 i gave him 113 so he texts me he says hey i'm at your house he's like knocking on the door looking in the windows yeah I, I almost got him shot. My pastor almost got shot because of me. I think it was just, it was an opportunity for the gospel. There was a guy who had a big old Jewish little box on his window. You know, I'm like, okay, this guy, he's, he's halfway there. He just needs Jesus, you know, yeah. but he didn't answer the door. So unfortunately not. You, you were questioning me for a minute. Like, what, what is Jeremy into? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, speaking of looking in windows and being at, being at houses you're not supposed to be, um, I mean, I had bears at my house two nights ago. Uh, I, I say bears. I'm assuming it was multiple based on the piles of stuff they left behind. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a real problem in our neighborhood right now. Um, it, it, they're black bears, by the way. We don't have grizzlies, thank the Lord. Uh, at least we don't yet. I'm sure at some point um, some liberals in Denver will want to vote that in as well. Um here I go. <laughs> but trust me, we do not want grizzlies. I've hunted in areas with grizzlies. They yeah, are no scary grizzlies. animals. But uh, these black bears have been coming down out of the out of the mountains, and we have these crabapple trees around the uh, the clubhouse, and they're just destroying these trees, oh, just, yeah. just gorging before hibernation, I guess. But I guess the crabapples are drying up because now they're making it to our houses. So I woke up uh, two, two mornings ago, and um, the... The front porch, we have, they look like pumpkins. They're like decorative pumpkins. I think they're actually gourds. And they had been bitten into, and I guess they didn't like the taste of that because they bit each one. You saw it as you came Little up taste. the stairs. It's like yeah. Goldilocks and the three bears, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they didn't find one that was just right, I guess. But they did find the trash can. And um, it's weird. Like every neighborhood around here has bear-proof trash, trash cans except for ours. Yeah. Ours doesn't an eagle either, and really? it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wish we did. I grew up in Vail, um, which is just, you know, 15 minutes up the road. And we had bears constantly. We had, um, you know, all the time. That was before bear-proof trash cans. So yeah. when I was in high school, it was my job to clean up all the trash that they had dumped, you know? Well, that, was, <laughs> so. that was my son Caden's job. Yeah. Yeah, so you're more used to this than me. I, I This is my first um, run-in with bears. And Do you guys have a ring doorbell? We don't, but it'd be cool you to get one. You should do that and just get some video of it, right? Actually, I have I have a version of the ring. Just stick my, your trail cam up there or something. My buddy John, which which hunts with me a lot, he, he was out in September hunting. For my uh, housewarming gift, he sent me, he's in the security business, he sent me okay. like a version of the ring doorbell. 
And I haven't put it up yet. There, now you got an excuse, right? <laughs> it's only been a year and a half. I feel terrible. He's listening. Uh, like <laughs> he probably won't. He he gets enough of me. He doesn't want to hear my voice on a podcast. Okay. <clears throat> but um, yeah. But the interesting thing is, so they tear up in the trash, and I mean, there's trash everywhere, as you know how it goes. And it was right beside my truck, and I thought for sure they were gonna be like paw prints on my truck. Oh, yeah. I've heard they'll they'll do that as well. Yeah. And uh, I walked out with Caden, and we both at the same time looked and, and said, well, they're smart bears. They left all the vegetables. I mean, literally, <laughs> everything was strewn about and eaten, and there wasn't a scrap left except for the vegetables. Uh, it's pretty right. funny. I have a video of it. Um, so they're smart. Funny. They're smart bears. Yeah. Just lucky they didn't get in your car. That's how it happens sometimes, too. They'll, they'll get in your car if you leave it unlocked. I mean, they, they, some of them know how to open doors. And I've seen pictures of people's cars they got in and just trashed the inside of the car. It's totally toast. And yeah. I'd be so mad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they didn't. Thank yeah. God. <laughs> thank God. Um, so another interesting thing is, uh, I actually stayed, I went hunting, uh, for two days in Wyoming. I still had uh, my tag. It turned into a rifle tag, but, uh, for some of you, that makes sense. Others of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but Anyhow, there's a bow season and a rifle season. So I just went back for two days. I thought I'd try to rifle hunt. And, uh, I found this place in the middle of nowhere that it's actually a ranch, and they rent out some cabins. But they didn't have the cabins, but they had this travel bus that they would rent out, Airbnb. <clears throat> it's only 100 bucks a night. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, so I did it, and and I didn't realize until I got there and I started reading that this this tra- it's a 1972 travel bus slash camper that was originally ordered by John Wayne. Oh wow! And John Wayne never took delivery of it. Okay, which would have been way more cool if he that did. That would have been cool. Yeah, but uh, that was a pretty cool experience. I mean, things made like it was made in '72, but it, I guess back then they didn't have um, the technologies just to make you know, compartments. And so they had to find the compartments, like the overhead compartments and things from other places. So it's when you're inside, you, you might as well be in a plane. Everything was like plane overhead compartments. The bathroom was like a plane, but it was a, uh, it was a travel camper. It's pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. What does that have to do with what we're talking about? Nothing, (laughs) nothing has nothing to do with it. So, um, well, Nate, uh, as I said before, is the pastor of Mountain Life Calvary Chapel. Um, that's that's here in the um, Eagle Valley. Everybody calls it the Vale Valley. There's really no such thing. Did you know that? Yeah, I know. Yeah, because I guess depends where you live. If you live Edwards or East, people call it Vale Valley. If you live in Eagle or West, they call it Eagle Valley. <laughs> but it's named after the river. It is. Yeah. Yeah, and there's no Vale river so it's yeah. really the gore valley not the Vale valley but anyhow, yeah yeah but anyhow so we'll call it the Vale valley because that's what i hear all the time but it's actually the eagle valley whatever uh <laughs> so it's here it's 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 near the town of Vale, um and uh i started attending um the church when we when we moved here and i'd never attended a calvary chapel affiliated church so i guess calvary chapel is an affiliation it's similar to a denomination would you say is it what's the difference yeah it's like a family of churches uh similar in structure to southern baptists so southern baptist is a denomination but there's no like there's no regional oversight necessarily like the like you might have in a denomination you might have like a regional director and they tell the local pastors what to do or how to spend their money and some of that stuff this one each church is independent but we're affiliated you could say so that's why you have the big house nobody tells you to spend the money no, joke. <laughs> total joke total joke uh, probably not a good joke <laughs> but a total joke um 
Sonia, I started attending Calvary Chapel here, Mountain Life Calvary Chapel, and it's a Calvary Chapel affiliated church, as I was saying. But I'd never been exposed to the to- the style of teaching, um, and that style is called expository teaching. I think I'm saying that right, which is a verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book approach um, to teaching the Bible. And so, like, we'll start on a on a book of the Bible, let's say Joshua, which we recently finished, and we'll go chapter by chapter by chapter through the book of Joshua. Now, Nate does a great job of making it relevant to today's whatever's happening in today's society. But it's still based on this uh, verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter approach. What I really like about it and what I found that I really like about it is it, it you can't bounce around and just find the topic of the day. It, it, mm-hmm. it, it takes away that self-help church <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that has, has popped up. It's almost like being at a Jim Rohn uh, conference or something at times. Yeah. And, and it, a lot, it, it takes away the ability to teach around tough topics. Right. Like you have to hit everything. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I've enjoyed it. But my question for you is, um, what do you find attractive about? The, obviously, you find it attractive. You're a Calvary Chapel yeah. pastor, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, and... Um, Expository teaching is something that's been around for a very long time, but it's been in different traditions. You find it in in a lot of Reformed traditions. You know, we'll we'll do expository teaching. You know, there's great like John MacArthur and John Piper and some of these guys do. Um, we're not Reformed in the sense, you know, of being Calvinist. <laughs> because and, I go there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. But um, but uh, but the I, I think there's value in in taking the Word of God as it's written and digging into it and just going deeper and um you know something that paul the apostle said is he said um at the at the end of his kind of life he said i have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of god um and that's something that as a pastor i I would love to be able to say at the end of my time whatever that whether that looks like i just have nothing left or whether it looks like he takes me back i'd love to say hey you know what i i put it all out there everything is out there i didn't i didn't hide away from any topics you know like you said and i didn't um i didn't harp too much on one specific topic it was just what the word says and that's what we're going to do and that's what we're going to talk about um and so that's kind of been my heart with it um there's some good things there's some really nice things about it one it's like i don't have to necessarily think up sermon series, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. like we'll pick a book of the Bible and we go through it. And honestly, I mean, in between books of the Bible, I'll do little mini series, you know, th- four weeks, six weeks, something like that to, to cover a specific topic as I feel led by the Holy Spirit. But, um, but I mean, we're going through the book of Revelation right now and it's like, okay, well, I know what our messages are going to be for the next, you know, year if I wanted to and just plan it out. And we have little breaks here and there. We'll take a break for the holidays and focus on Christmas and some of that stuff. But um, it just kind of helps me in that planning process. But then also, um, like you said, it helps keep me accountable to teaching the things that God would have his people learn. And there's a lot of topics that honestly, I would not necessarily just choose to teach. You know, I'm not a person that likes to be controversial on purpose. <laughs> Sometimes, I mean, I, I, I'll throw stuff out there, but I'm not going to just go after those hard topics on purpose uh, a lot of times. And there are things that I like to teach about a lot that I probably would spend too much time on. So it helps me to stay really balanced in the diet, the spiritual diet I'm feeding our flock, I guess I could say. Um, so it, it's really beneficial. It's not to put down, you know, other types of teaching styles and that and whatnot. That's, that's definitely not the the goal or the heart in that. Um, but for us, it works really well. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. 
and um, you do a great job with it. It could be boring at times, I think, but you keep it really, really relevant. Well, I can't, I can't stand boring teaching. So, (laughs) I mean, me, I don't like to sit through boring teaching. And so if I find that I would be bored by my own teaching, then I'm like, okay, I got to, I got to reapproach this. The word of God is not boring. Yeah. And for it to become boring, I have to make it boring. And so I'm, my goal is to not make it boring, (laughs) you know? So now you do a great job. Well, praise God. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note, um, in a recent message that you preached, I think it was just two weeks ago, actually, um, you're, as you said, we're going through the book of Revelations. Uh, good luck with that one, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. the hard stuff right there, right? Yeah, that would be, if, if, <laughs> and I never will be, I don't think. I, I'll say that. God will probably tell me I need to be. Uh, so maybe I'll take that back. I doubt I will ever be a Calvary Chapel pastor. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Highly doubt it. But if I did, I think that would be the one book somebody would have to force me to teach it. Okay. I, it just scares me <laughs> yeah. to death. Revelations is like so daunting to me. I know. You know, I really didn't want to get into it uh, on a weekend. Honestly, I was thinking about doing like a midweek study or something like that. And this, this fellow pastor encouraged me and said, Hey, you know, like people really, especially this year, people really want to know this stuff. And I think it'd be a blessing for your church to do it. And he said, at my church, when we did it, it actually, it actually caused our church to grow because people were coming and they had questions about the end times and stuff. And um, so I just prayed about it and felt like God said, go for it. So, well, I think it's it's uh, obviously relevant. I mean, this this Sunday was really good attendance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. We were like having to put out extra chairs and yeah, for COVID, I mean, some of that's COVID crazy. stuff, but it's still it, it was um it was a it was a great crowd. Um, but you were teaching on. Revelations 2, 1 through 7, mm-hmm. the church of Ephesus. Yeah. And so um, obviously that chapter starts as a series of letters to the church. And the passage, as I said, focuses on the church of Ephesus. And so I felt strongly as you were preaching that I wanted to do a podcast on this topic with you. And uh, so, Nate, can you do you mind reading that for us? Uh, Re- uh, Revelations 2, 1 through 7? Yeah, sure. No problem. And then we can discuss it. Yeah. Revelations 2. Verse one through seven says to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my namesake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God." Great. Thank you. So can you, can you break that down for us? What, what you see happening here just in everyday normal, it's, you know, podcast, ordinary discussions. So break it down for the ordinary person like myself. Like what, what do you see happening in this passage? Yeah. Well, I I think this is Jesus speaking to the churches, you know, and um, he's speaking to speaking through the apostle John to the the pastor of this church. And he's saying, Hey, I, I see that you guys, you're doing all the right things. Your works are good. You're, you're laboring, you're patient. You, you, you aren't 
bearing with evil. You're calling out sin when necessary. You're having good, solid doctrine. Like those who are saying that they're apostles and are not, you found them to be liars and you have patience and you haven't become weary. I mean, he's saying, you guys got a lot of stuff going for you. You're doing all the right things. Um, and I think if you were to look at this, this could be any church in America, really. I just, a lot of churches are doing all the right things. And a lot of us as individuals might be doing all the right things. Um, but then he gets to verse four and he says, nevertheless, I have this against you, right? And so th th this church was good on the outside. And if you were to visit it as a guest at this church, right, you might come in and you'd be like, man, these guys are really solid in their teaching. They're solid in their and what they're doing and they're they're doing all the right things and they're reaching out and they're doing all this stuff but there's something that's missing um, and that's really what he addressed in verse four that they had left their first love and that seems to be the 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 issue that jesus is is, is calling out is like hey you've, you're doing all the right stuff but you've got kind of an empty shell of a religion instead of this relationship with me yeah so that I mean, that was very convicting for me in a good way. I mean, conviction is a great thing, right? Thank God for it. Holy Spirit yeah. convicts us. So I felt very convicted by your message. Um, and I, like many other Christians, I assume at least, um, I, I'm doing good at checking the boxes, I think. <laughs> and, and, and I'm good at patting myself on the back when things are going well. Uh, however, verse 4 uh, about tore my heart out when, I, when, when it was read. And I mean, that was the conviction of the Holy Spirit, obviously. Mm -hmm. And and when I say tore my heart out, I mean, it was a good thing. Yeah. <clears throat> because it brings, it, I mean, conviction brings us back to God. Yeah. Um, and so that's what it did. And it, it, it's caused me to get on my face again in a new way. But however, that, that verse uh, really just spoke to me and it says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Man. And so my, my question to you is, why do you think so many of us, and I say us believers, why do you think so many believers fall into this trap of doing, 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 and forgetting the first love? I mean, we all, I, I think people start with the right approach. Yeah. I mean, that's what pushes us to wanting to do. It's out of this, this love for our father. Right. But why do you think we fall into this trap of forsaking that first love? Yeah, I think, you know, when we first become a believer, you're just in awe of the fact that God would love you and forgive you and accept you and, and all of those things. And so really, it's, it's a, all about that love relationship with Jesus. But I think over time, it becomes, well, a good Christian does this and does this and does this and doesn't do that and does these things. And so I need to make sure I have those standards in my life. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we don't need to have those standards. In fact, several of the, the next couple of churches that Jesus speaks to, he calls out because they weren't living up to the right standards, right? But the issue that this church had was that they were doing all the right things, but it was never about doing all the right things, you know? And I think that's where we people are, are so conditioned to be doers. And I think especially men, really, we, are, we like to fix things, we like to get things done, we like to see progress and see things happen, right? And um, this, this idea of, um, doing is a lot easier for us than 
being or being involved in a relationship. It's a lot easier to check, check boxes off a list um, and to feel like you're actually getting something done when you do that, you know, you feel like you accomplished something. I know for me, if I'm, if I'm working on a project right now, we're remodeling our kitchen and it's like, I get something done. It's like, oh man, that feels really good. I did that. Right. Um, but when it comes to our relationship with Christ, it's never really been about doing the right things. It's always been about knowing the right person, right. And that the, the works come out of the relationship rather yeah. than the other way around. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, um, especially for men, and and yeah, it just feels good if you can look back and say, "Well, I did this, I did this," but that 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 is like that that is what that is the wrong view of our faith. Mm-hmm. I did this, I did that. Like yeah. it, it it has nothing to do with with uh, what Christ has done for us and the grace and the mercy that He's shown us and our salvation. But for some reason, I just always want to keep coming back to it. Yeah. And it's it's really difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, as you know, I'm the director of Ordinary Men. <clears throat> and uh, that's what actually prompted doing the podcast, Ordinary Discussions, is I just felt like it was a great opportunity and a platform to, to speak to the organization and possibly bring people in that are otherwise, um, you know, maybe not involved. And so uh, our core values are intimacy with Jesus intentional relationship with others and, and multiplication out into the world. And of course, intimacy with Jesus is first and foremost to us. And we believe that all, all the rest flows from this. And, um, so with that in mind, what recommendations would you give us on how to keep our first love first? And I think, I don't think I know, actually you posed this by, you actually answered this question by posing it as a question in your message. And that question was, uh, what do you do when you first fall in love? And so I don't know if you remember those, those points, if not, I have them here, but, but could you go through those points of, of what do you do when you first fall in love? Cause I think it really answers the question of how we keep him first. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, in in that section there in Ephesians two, I mean, not Ephesians in revelation two, it says he's speaking to the Ephesians and he says, you know, go back and do the things that you did at first. Right. Um, and that really is like this call to like, Hey, go back to like what it was like when you first put your faith in me and not to the, not, I mean, I don't want to go back to a lot of the ways that I was when I was first a believer. You know what I mean? Actually, I had so much sin in my life when I was first a believer. I struggled with stuff all over the place and I had wrong thoughts and wrong attitudes and all kinds of stuff, but I love Jesus, you know? And yeah. that's what he's talking about is it's not like go back and forget everything that you know and all that you've, the ways that you've grown and all that stuff, but go back and do the things that that facilitated that relationship. And, and it just got me thinking about like, what do you do when you love somebody? Like when you're, when you're falling in love, you know, when I fell in love with my wife, um, what are the things that I did that I, you know, intentionally to, to show her that I loved her, but then also to develop that love relationship with her. And, um, there were several things, you know, I, I, I would study her, you know what I mean? I would spend time just like, who is this person? I want to know her more. I want to know what she's like, you know? And I would learn about her and just try to dig in deeper. And the same thing is true for the Lord, right? If I, if I want to know the Lord more, I want to study his word. I want to spend time digging into who he is and learning his character and his personality and the things that he does and says and learn about him. And then you also sacrifice for that, that person, right? You, you, you give to, 
to show your love for them. Um, that's, you know, of course, what I, what we all do when we fall in love. We do crazy things when you first fall in love with somebody, right? You're like, you go out of your way to buy them gifts or do little, you know, kind of activities or things for them. You, you, you really step outside of your comfort zone to accomplish things for them. Um, another one is you, you give your, your time, you know, you give them significant amounts of time. You give them money, you know, in what you're doing, you give your energy, uh, to show them love. Like there's just, there's sacrifices that you make in what you're doing. Um, and so, I mean, that means like for me correlating to my walk with the Lord, it's like, okay, where's my, where's my time going in my relationship with God, right? Is, am I giving my time? Am I giving my money? Am I giving my energy? Am I pouring into that relationship in that way? Um, like I would at the beginning of a relationship, you know, falling in love with somebody or like I did when I first met Jesus, you know, am I covering it all? <laughs> yeah. I mean, pretty much <clears throat> you had, um, I mean, I'll just give you your notes. Yeah. I, t- I, took no- <laughs> okay. I took notes in church. You took notes. I wasn't, do- I wasn't texting. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was on the front row and Nate was probably thinking I was texting. Yeah. I don't normally sit on the front row, but it's COVID and that's all that was left when I got there. <laughs> Uh, but, um, you said you study them, which you started out with, um, which I think is, is awesome. Like studying the word of God is a Mm -hmm. great way to get to know him. Yeah. Uh, you spend time with him. Like I think about back to, I mean, anytime you were dating someone, but you know, especially with Jess, uh, my wife is like, man, I just wanted to spend every moment with her. Yeah. It was, it's almost weird how it felt (laughs) like you just literally want to be with them. Yeah. Um, doesn't sound very manly, but just the case. It is what it is. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah, um, absolutely. You, you, you mentioned and referenced. Uh, you said you pour all you have into that person. I think that's yeah. what you were you were alluding to in what you were talking about. But you mentioned Psalm sixty three one. Yeah, which I'll read that now. It's just a beautiful verse. I I, I think I'm going to print it out and put it on my computer so it's it's in front of me constantly. But it says, "Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul searched. Thir- my soul." thirst for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I mean, that's just a, it's a powerful verse. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, you know, I think that's keeping him as your first, right? Like, can you say that? Like God, I earnestly seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. Yeah. You know, my lips will glorify you. Um, I think that's power. I don't think that yeah. is very powerful. Then you said um, you talk about them. Right. I think that's important, um, especially in our day of cancel culture. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> <clears throat> totally. talking about God is not a bad thing. And it, it, it's a great thing, right? <laughs> obviously. But when you love someone, that's all you you want to tell everybody about them. Mm-hmm. You know, I just got engaged with so-and-so or uh, I, I I met this new girl at college or whatever it would be. You want to tell your buddies about it. Your buddies don't want to hear about it. Yep. Um, <laughs> right. You know, you want to tell your parents yeah. about it sort of, but then it's like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I really want to tell my parents. There's right. a lot of questions, but you, you get it. Like you want to talk about them and you yeah. want to share and you want to share them. Yeah. You didn't say this, but it's the same, same idea. Talk about them and share them. Like you want to take them, places yeah. and introduce them to your friends and the whole nine. Right. Right. And then the other was you go out of your way to be with them. Yeah. And man, I just remember, like, I remember dating Jess. I graduated from James Madison. This is back when I was in Virginia. She was still in Harrisonburg. I was in Fredericksburg. It's like a two hour drive uh, each way. And it wasn't, 
you know, it doesn't sound like much. I get it. But at the same time, it was, it was not even a thought if I was going to drive there to see her. Yeah. Like yeah. I would probably, actually, I remember we spent um, one Valentine's together and she had an exam the next morning or something. And it was something crazy, but I drove two hours to have dinner with her and then drove two hours back to yeah. Fredericksburg. Cause I had to teach the next day or whatever, especially when I was teaching. I didn't think a thing of it. It was no big deal. Right. I went out of my way for her. Yeah. I thought those were really good points as I was, um, again, I'm looking for brownie points as I was yeah. taking notes. <laughs> <You're> taking notes. <laughs> yes. yes, right. <laughs> but um, no, I, th- I thought those were great. Those were great points. And, and I think, I, listen, one of, the, one of the issues I think we have as a church today, Big C, is we, we talk about this piece of intimacy. We talk about this, you need to have relationship, not just religion. Right. But we don't make it very practical for people. Right. It's a very... Intimacy, relationship, whatever you want to call it, I, I think intimacy takes relationship to another level, so we'll call yeah. it intimacy. Intimacy with Jesus uh, is a very abstract concept. Yeah. But I felt like those study him, spend time with him, pour all you have into him. Yeah. Uh, talk about him. Go out of your way to be with him. Like Those are great um, gauges we can put in our lives and we could, you know, if you're listening to this, write those down. I'll say them again. Study him. Spend time with him. Pour all you have into him. Talk about him and go out of your way to be with him. Write those down and once a week ask, you know, literally take take uh, inventory of your yeah. of your relationship and say, am, am I doing these things? And um, I, I just thought that was really good and practical. So thank you for sharing yeah. those. Yeah, you know, I think um, it's uh, it's so easy just to settle into, oh, I have this duty to do. You know, I have this, I got to get up and I got to check the box of reading the Bible. And I'm guilty of that at times too, you know, where it's just like, I read a chapter, I don't remember what I just read. <laughs> you know what I mean? But not not looking for Jesus in it, but just reading because it's what you're supposed to do. And um, and so many in so many other ways in our relationship with the Lord, it's like that too. And I think you're right. I think that there's if we're really pursuing Jesus, then we're sacrificing ourselves, right? For that. And yeah. uh, I mean, one of the stories that I shared in that message was this guy. Uh, Jim Becker was the guy's name and he lived in Racine, Wisconsin. He was a Green Bay Packers fan. Um, and he gave blood for his team, literally. Like he he bled for the Green Bay Packers. Now he was a, a Korean War vet. He came home from the war, was a young dad. He had several children. In fact, over his lifetime, he um, had 11 kids. Uh, but he, um, he was, you know, didn't have good means, but he really loved the Packers and he wanted to go to Packers games. And so he's tried to figure out ways to make extra money. And he figured out that if he gave blood, if he gave a pint of blood, he could get $15 for it. Now this is back after the Korean war, right? So of course that's not a lot of money today, but back then $12. Would what do you get Packers today? Ticket. Do you I know? have no idea. It's a good question. Yeah. I don't know if it's actually that much more. I don't think, I don't think you get as much for blood as you used to. Yeah, too many people giving it away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> no, please give blood. Yeah. Please do give blood. But he would, he would <laughs> go and give blood to get this $15 and then he would have enough money for a Packers ticket and a hot dog, you know, at the game. And so he, he did this every week for several years. In fact, over his, his lifetime, he gave 145 pints of blood uh, to be able to um, go to Packers games. Well, um, that's pretty serious devotion and sacrifice for your team, right? 
well, later in life, he found out that he had this disease that had gone undiagnosed, um, hemochromatosis, which is too much iron in your blood, uh, essentially. And it's fatal and it usually takes people early in their life because they don't know that they have it. Uh, and it went undiagnosed with him for a long time. Um, and he found it through this kind of random series of checks that he was doing on other things, health checks. And uh, this blood disease that he had, there's only one treatment for it. And the treatment is to regularly give blood, literally. Like you, you have to go in like once a week or every two weeks and have blood drawn out of your body to rid your body of the iron because otherwise it causes this buildup in your body and can kill you. So literally, I mean, he kind of like saved his life by giving blood to go to the Packers games in a weird way. <laughs> and uh, it's similar for us, I think. Like, I think sometimes we feel like we're, we've got too much going on to really spend time with the Lord or we've got, you know, all these other responsibilities and it feels like a burden or a responsibility. But if we really want that intimacy with the Lord, we will sacrifice what's necessary to get it. And the reality is that in return for that, I mean, we, we receive life, right? It's not just eternal life, but I mean, literally guaranteed life here and now. Yes. hundred percent. And so it's, that's, that's the, that it feels like a burden sometimes to be like, Oh, I'm not walking with Jesus. Like I should be, I'm not spending time with Jesus. Like I should be, but it's not, it's not about should be, it's not about, obligation or burden it's about like no the thing that you're looking for is found in that you know yeah i've yet to f i've yet to experience in my life ever pursuing the lord in intimacy and not get so much more from it than i ever gave and i've yet to see it in anyone else's life not be the same as well right ne never have i seen it be anything but extreme fruit and 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 benefit yeah even though it feels like sacrifice at times it does yeah yeah. And, and some of that's an attitude change with, you know, oh, I have to do it versus I get to do it, yeah. you know, and some of it becomes like, oh, I, 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 you, you get upset because you missed your time with the Lord um, because you, you, you didn't do what you're supposed to do versus you're disappointed for yourself because you missed it. Like there's a difference there. Yeah. Like now when I miss my time with the Lord and when I get out of my routine, I'm really disappointed for myself because I don't know what I've missed out on because of that. Yeah. You know, totally because I, my life is different when I'm spending time with the Lord. Yeah. Uh, period. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, so for me and maybe, maybe some of you listening can, can relate, but you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty much spending, you know, 40 hours a week, um, as the director of ordinary men and, Somewhere in that, it depends on the week, obviously, but spending quite a bit of time and energy and devotion and I'm sacrificing in time and, and areas that, that I otherwise uh, wouldn't have if I weren't doing this. And so as I read, you know, the, the letter to Ephesus, I, like, I feel like, yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm doing those things. I'm doing those things. Yes, it's great. But then you can still make sacrifices and still miss it. Yeah. And I think that's what Jesus was saying. It's like sacrifice without a pursuit of him is you're still missing it. Yeah. And I, I think, I don't know who this may not even be the right exact quote, but I've heard it said, are you pursuing the calling or the one that called you? And I think that's um, for me. And, and, you know, there's, there's people listening today that are leaders and ordinary men, they're leading their own group. Maybe that's what God called you to do. There's others that are mentors and, and maybe that's what God called you to do. Maybe there's pastors listening. Maybe there's somebody that 
teach a Sunday school. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm sure there's many of you listening that that are that are involved in sacrifice and 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 doing for the Lord. Mm-hmm. But my question for you, you know, he put that calling on your heart, but it's really easy to start pursuing that calling over him. And that was the gut check I got two Sundays ago was don't ever let my calling take place of me. Right. Yeah. And God forbid that ever happen. And it's so easy to do. Oh, um, so easy. And whatever you, whatever you feel called to by the Lord, I know, I know people that are called to be teachers, you know, I mean, like in school teachers, oh, yeah. people that are called Coaches. to being businessmen. And we all have things that we do for money and your money, you know, source doesn't necessarily equate to your calling, but we all have that calling as well. So, I mean, somebody that sacrifices to be a high school football coach, you know, when they're working a full-time job on top of that, they might feel called to that coaching ministry in a sense, you know, uh, for me, obviously being a pastor and reaching people is a huge call in my life. And it's so easy to let that become the goal rather than Jesus being the goal. And, um, I think that's a really good word just to remember, like it's your calling isn't, I mean, the, the, and the reality is callings change. <laughs> it does. It changes. I mean, it's changed in my life many times and it's yeah. like, okay, well now I'm going this way. All right, Lord, here we go. But the relationship with Jesus is the same, you know, it, 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 that, like, I mean, it grows and morphs in different ways, but, but that intimacy with the Lord doesn't change. He's always there and yeah. no matter how your calling changes. And we go through things. I mean, everything else in our life can change, but he won't. And that's the the one steadfast thing. So really coming back to that place of, you know, when you're grounded and connected with him, everything else kind of falls into place that seek first the kingdom of God, right? And his righteousness. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I spent time recently in prayer and I'd spent years praying that God would put something on my heart that, that I knew was him. And that came from a place of seeking him and intimacy and abiding in him, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> for, for years I looked and I was trying to conjure this thing up. And when I stopped looking and just were satisfied with being with him, um, that's when he gave me the calling. And so I just yeah. remember recently praying. And so I say that because this was years of longing for something because I wanted to be significant for the kingdom, not myself, but I wanted my life to be significant for the right. kingdom. And I remember being on my face recently and just saying, you know what, if, if that calling is getting in the way of me and you take it. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't even, I don't even want, I don't, I don't even want that thing. Yeah. If it means I don't have all of you and it's distracting me. Right. Now I don't think that was the result. I don't think that's what God wants, but my heart is that. And I, and I just pray that each of us have that heart. Um, yeah. And, and, and yeah. So hopefully this challenged you guys like it did me. My, my last question for you, Nate, is um, why do you feel that intimacy with Jesus is so important? Because obviously what we're doing, we're, we're making disciples that make disciples. That's our, that's our right. mission, right? And so why do you think it's so important for intimacy with Jesus um, to be at the center of the walk with, of a disciple? I think it's, I think it really is everything when it comes to your walk, because everything comes out of that. Um, you know, Jesus and he said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do all of these things, right? Just like yeah. this church, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and heal people? And I mean, these are things that I've never, like I, I, haven't, I haven't laid hands on somebody and watched them be healed, right? That's a miraculous work. I believe that happens, but I haven't done it. 
And Jesus is saying... I do it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, Would you, my, my back's hurting a little bit. <laughs> um, but Jesus is saying there are people that have done that, that he's going to look at them and he's going to say, I never knew you. Yeah. It's not about what you did. It's about the fact that I never knew you. Like, go away. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's a harsh word. And I'm, that's, not, that's not meant to scare us. I mean, I'm not... I'm not fighting against eternal security here by any means. But I think that sometimes we can rest for a Christian religion and, and be comfortable with a Christian religion and miss out on the substance. Like the, 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 the shell of it is just that it's just a shell. And the substance is that relationship with Jesus. When your relationship with Jesus is your everything then everything else comes out of that. And that it's the essence of discipleship. It's the essence of outreach. I mean, it's the essence of ministry. And I mean, I'm thinking about like with calling, like you talked about, <laughs> I had this moment the other day. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I like the calling that I'm in anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> There's moments where it's just like everything kind of crumbles in on you. And it's like, yeah, nothing, none of the stuff that we think it's, it's, it doesn't add up to how we think it's going to be. Right. Oh, tell you're me looking about at it. it. And if your calling is what you're looking for your fulfillment and you're going to be sorely disappointed, right? The fulfillment comes from that relationship with Christ. And, um, that's how Paul said, you know, I, I've learned the secret of being content in any circumstance. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, you know? So, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Any final thoughts as we wrap? I think the thing that I, probably that I would say is from Revelation chapter three, verse 20, just the thing that I, because it like those five things that you talked about that we can do are really good. Um, apparent, I mean, they must be, I said, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they were, they're just really, kidding. really good. Um, but, but I think that the, it sometimes feels like Jesus is still far off, right? And it mm. feels like, it feels like, how do I get to intimacy with him? And the reality is, He's always there. And in Revelation 3, verse 20, he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens, I'll come into him and dine with him and he with me. It's And he's speaking to the church then. He's not speaking to non-believers. And so he's saying like, hey, I'm here. I'm not far away. If you'll just open up and let me in, I will come in and I will, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'll make myself at home with you. And um, I think that that's, that's really the, to remember that it's not, it's not that we have this checklist of things that we have to do to get into the presence of God. He's always, he's always there and he's always waiting. And yes, I want to go back and do those things that, that help me to, to show and fall more in love with Jesus and all that. But, um, but he's always there. It's not like I have to conjure up his presence or something weird like that. Um, and he's always waiting for that. And he's not going to force himself into my, you know, into my space um, consistently. I mean, he does sometimes, sometimes he knocks me on my butt a little bit to say, Hey, Hey, I'm here, <laughs> you know, but, um, but letting him in really letting him in. And then the rest of that stuff just comes naturally. Yeah. There's somewhere in Matthew, it says, um, you know, close the door and, um, enter the secret place where I'm waiting. I'm, I'm butchering that of course, but the premise is that he's there waiting for us. Yeah. That's that's pretty powerful when when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, as we close this episode, I'd just like to ask everyone that's listening just to take time and analyze uh, your walk with Christ and uh, just be real honest with yourself and ask the tough questions. You know, do you have good deeds? Um, have you shown perseverance and 
hard work? Uh, do you fight against wickedness in the world? Do you persevere hardship in the name of Jesus and stay committed to him? And for many of you, the answer is yes, just like it was for the church of Ephesus. And that's great. That's really great. However, do you also still have your first love? And are you actively engaging Christ in intimacy? And if not, there's no time like now to change that. And so take these practical steps that we talked about, and, and hopefully it'll be an encouragement to you to, uh, to make change in your life and, and pursue Him in a new way. So as we close, let's do this. We'll talk to you next time.